thank you for coming. You're all very welcome. Um, this is another of the UCL Lunch Hour Lecture Series, and it's lovely to see you all here. My name's Judith Stevenson. I work at the UCL Institute for Women's Health um, and have been working with Julia on this project for some time. So let me um, introduce Julia without any further properly, as opposed to my friend and colleague. Um, Dr. Julia Bailey is a senior researcher at, U at UCL's eHealth unit. She is also a specialty doctor in community sexual health in Southeast London. And her research um, focuses on the development and evaluation of digital technologies, so mobile phones, internet, and so on, for sexual health, including sexual difficulties, sexually transmitted infections and HIV, and contraception choice, which is what you're going to hear about today. Thank you, Julia. Lovely. Thanks, Judith. Very excited to be talking to you today. Thanks so much for coming over your lunchtime. So we're going to be talking about tech to improve lives with contraception choices as an example of a project that a big team have been working on. So thank you to the enormous team, some of whom are here today. Um, so Anna in particular, who did lots of interviews with young women. So we involved 74, at least 74 young women in lots of cycles of developing the website. Um, thanks to all the sites that we did the research in and to Moore Wilson. So we've got Ali from Moore Wilson. Uh, a quick plug, if you want a website done, then talk to Moore Wilson. You'll see more later about why I say that. So I'd like to talk to you about why does contraception matter and specifically what matters to women, what's important about the pros and cons of contraception to women in particular, but also to other people. And then I'm going to show you the Contraception Choices website and uh, unpick the importance of informed choice. What does informed choice actually mean? So have a chat to your neighbours for a couple of minutes. I'm going to ring a bike bell in two minutes' time. So why are you here today? Uh, an answer other than your parents didn't use contraception, perhaps. <laughs> but introduce yourselves. The bike bell, thank you. So why does contraception matter? Um, unplanned pregnancies are extraordinarily common across the globe, so worldwide about 40% of pregnancies are estimated to be unplanned, which obviously doesn't mean unwanted, but it does mean unscheduled, not planned for. Um, and worldwide about half of these will end in abortion, 13% uh, miscarriage, and about 40% in an unplanned pregnancy. And in Britain, 45% uh, of pregnancies were unplanned or ambivalent. So that comes from a huge national survey, the NATSAL, National Sexual Attitudes and Lifestyles Survey. And even more so amongst teenagers, so 16 to 19-year-olds, 19, 19 nearly 90% of pregnancies were unplanned or ambivalent. And does that matter? Well, there's enormous health and economic consequences. So in countries where abortion is not safe or legal, it obviously means people will seek unsafe abortions and there's a big uh, health impact for that and that children unplanned um, in poorer families for instance there's a bigger infant mortality so bigger infant deaths and low birth weight and more health problems in childhood so poor child and infant development and an impact on mothers too as well as families so depression for instance, in, uh, in mums of larger and unplanned families, and where um, pregnancies are close together as well, so less than six months between the birth of one and getting pregnant again. And it has huge wealth consequences globally, so a big economic impact on women themselves if they can't get to work, for instance, on the children um, of families and in wider society. 
So in the UK, um, these are the contraception methods that are the, that are the most common. So 21% of people don't need contraception at all. So they are currently pregnant, menopausal, um, or not having sex where they could get pregnant. 15% uh, using an unreliable or no contraception method. 16% using condoms, diaphragm, for instance. 26% using the slightly more reliable hormonal ones, so pill, patch, ring, and injection. And then getting to the more reliable, so the long-acting ones like the IUD, the copper coil, the hormonal coil, and the implant. So only 12% of all women of reproductive age. And then 10% sterilization, spelt wrong. So chat to your neighbours again about why do unplanned pregnancies happen? What's, what's the cause for this? So in the UK, um, contraception is free. Um, we can get contraception from GPs, from sexual health clinics and online as well at the moment. So chat to your neighbours, but please also join Slido. So this is a website where we can um, gather together ideas and also from people who are watching from the live broadcast. Uh, so go to the website on your phone um, and type in the, the event code, which is just choices, and then submit your response and we'll get a word cloud of what you're thinking about. Why do unplanned pregnancies happen? Lovely, so we've got a big uh, spread of different types of influence. So misinformation has been typed in by certainly more than one person. Um, contraception itself being unreliable, sex and sexuality, education. Um, so pressure, religion. So we've got uh, factors relating to individual women and to wider society as well. I'm going to unpack that a bit more. So what matters to women? Um, so the top concerns that we found from our research with young women and from a big literature review are hormones and naturalness. So does contraception um, cause harm in the body? And I'm going to touch on all of these later when I show you the website. Does contraception impact on mood? Does it affect future fertility? So worries about particularly if methods interrupt the bleeding, uh, if there's no periods at all, people can become worried that it's not going to be possible to get pregnant in the future. And irregular patterns of bleeding can be quite alarming. Is there something wrong? Is the contraception causing harm? Weight gain is a common concern. And then of worry to us uh, working in clinics is uh, there's quite a lot of fear of coming to clinics if you can even get an appointment in the first place. So fear of asking silly questions. So many concerns never even surface in consultation. And then fear of procedures, so not wanting a needle for the depot injection or not wanting an implant put in. So all kinds of imaginings about the uh, anaesthetic needed and so on. And fear of coils being put in. So those are a few of the individual barriers. But it's very complicated. So you've got the factors that are worrying an individual woman. 
But you've also got the opinions of partners, which are enormously influential. So sometimes male partners might be worried about factors like infertility um, and be strongly influencing choices. You've got friends, so extremely influential again. Um, and people are looking on social media and very much learning from the experience of friends. So if one friend has had a bad experience, that can influence lots of other people. The influence of family. So what are the expectations about whether you will go to education, uh, so go to further education or have a family younger is extremely influential. And then in the media. So when there's been pill scares uh, or worries about depression, weight gain and so on in the media, that has a huge influence on the uptake of contraception. So there was a big increase in unplanned pregnancy with the pill scare um, from quite a long time ago. Wider culture. So uh, the whole context in which we live, the society in which we live. What are the resources, the economic possibilities for women, for instance? And then the hassles about actually getting to a clinic. So in many countries, uh, it, there aren't even any clinics providing contraception, or it costs too much, or it's much too far away to get there, or there's not enough choice of method when people actually get there. And then if people do manage to get through the door of the clinic, there's the attitude of the health professionals. So judgmental attitudes, for instance, about unmarried women requesting contraception, about uh, sort of irresponsible use and kind of blaming women if they do get pregnant by accident or if they're having problems remembering a particular method. So challenges from all sorts of different directions and different levels. Can we address the concerns in clinics? So we certainly do our best, but clinics are extremely busy, especially in the light of um, cuts to services. And people might be very reluctant to discuss their concerns. So if they're worries that they think might be a bit silly, um, they often don't surface in clinic. And actually explaining the pros and cons of, of many different contraception methods, there's about 12 methods, really takes time and is quite complicated to understand. You need to understand about ovulation and physiology, a bit about how the body works to understand what the pros and cons are and to understand the side effects. So no, we're not really managing very well in clinics which led us to the website that I'm going to show you. So can digital devices help mobile phones and the internet? Well, they offer fantastic privacy. We can uh, produce trustworthy information so that it's tested against guidelines and evidence and so on. Um, uh, convenient, so it can be accessed at any time. And actually looking at the analytics from contraception choices, there are people looking up contraception at four o'clock in the morning, which is brilliant. So definitely in the evenings and even in the middle of the night when the clinics are closed. And um, websites can offer uh, personalised information so that it's actually relevant to individuals using the method. So what we did for this project, which has taken several years, was do a very big uh, putting together of lots of different research evidence um, and guidelines from the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Health in particular. And then we did qualitative research, so particularly interviews and focus groups with young women and with doctors and nurses, so to find out what were their main concerns about contraception. We also looked on YouTube where there's a lot of videos about um, where contraception is discussed um, for what are the hot topics. Um, so not seeing these as representative, but literally hot topics, important things to address. So we then ran a workshop. So we invited various experts, researchers in sexual health, doctors and nurses um, for their opinion of what should go in from the kind of clinical point of view. 
And then in a series of cycles, we designed the website with young women and with a software company. So it was quite quick iterations of different design choices and then asking young women what they thought and how understandable was the content. So the Contraception Choices website addresses concerns, myths, misunderstandings, and presents honest information. So we're not trying to um, promote one method over another, but we want to provide balanced information about the pros and cons of different methods. And the website acknowledges that it's difficult to use contraception successfully. There's loads of barriers and it avoids blaming people. So please send in your questions if that's possible as we go along. Although uh, if, the, if you're not able to log in properly, we won't worry too much about that. We'll do questions by raising hands at the end. But if you are able to enter the Slido website, you can put, put in your questions as you go along. So a typical scenario might be this one. So I work in a sexual health clinic in South East London, New Cross. So a young woman, say age 22, who's been on the pill for six years and is beginning to think, oh, that's too long. Uh, has the sense that it might be doing some harm to be on the pill without a break for that length of time. She might like to be pregnant in the future, but definitely not now. She's finding it a bit difficult. The pill is quite a nuisance to remember to take. Um, she thinks she's all right with it, um, but there's some con concerns at the back of her mind. So whether horm hormones are harmful, whether she does need a break from it, whether it might be making her moody, and reducing sex drive, so she's not feeling too good right now, and whether contraception might be affecting her chances of getting pregnant in future. She got the one day of sex education that was offered, so where Brooke, Young People's Clinic, for instance, came in for the day, and the school thinks, great, that's ticked off, sex education done. And she learns most of her information from social media and from her friends. So this really is a very, very typical scenario of someone who comes to the clinic. She'll have waited about 90 minutes, literally, to be seen in the clinic. Um, so then I'm seeing her, knowing that there's lots of other people waiting. There's really not much time to go through the pros and cons. So I'll show you the website. One moment. So we present information on 12 main methods, and she's on the pill. So we did pop-up information, hover information, as short summaries, if people didn't want to read very much. But let's say she wants to find out more about the pill. We presented pros and cons as clearly as possible, so as short and concise as possible, so she can weigh up the pros and cons of this method. And then the did you know addresses lots of the, the concerns that people have. So here we have, uh, does it put on weight? Do you need a break? don't need to take it at the same time of day, that uh, pills, you might need to try different types of pill. And it's actually not even necessary to have a break at all from the pill. So you can take the pill or other hormonal methods continually without a break. So many women are very surprised to learn the details about contraception. So she's finding that quite interesting. So she wants to know how effective it is. So this infographic is typical use, meaning that it takes into account um, an average person, so busy lives, might find it a bit difficult to remember to take the pill, stays with a friend and forgets to take it with her, for instance. So typically, eight in 100 women will get pregnant in one year. So without any contraception at all for young, fertile women, that's the likelihood of getting pregnant. And then comparing, say, with condoms, 
other hormonal methods, and then the more long-acting ones, so injection, copper coil, the hormonal coil, and the implant. And in clinic, I can see people literally with their mouths open at this infographic, because so, it's very difficult with percentages to convey risks. Um, so we found this very effective. And I, people sometimes change their mind literally right there and then after seeing the graph. So that's been very rewarding doing this. And then frequently answered questions. So what we did here was take the common benefits of different methods of contraception. So how can I have lighter periods? And then we uh, tell people which methods are best for that, etc., and so on. So for young women, they might be concerned about keeping a method secret that nobody else knows about it. So again, we'll tell people which methods have which benefits. So to kind of try and balance out the scare stories. So did you know is another way of um, delving into a bit more detail about the top concerns. So here we have hormones. Are they safe? I'll tell you the answer largely, but not for everybody. Uh, infertility, so there's a lot of concern about future infertility and all of the methods don't affect future fertility. Um, the depot injection can take a while to wear off, so it's important to explain that to people. Um, but that's a very common misunderstanding. So mood might affect mood, but maybe not. And part of the consultation is unpicking, well, could there be other changes in your life that have affected mood? Irregular bleeding? The challenges, so that was uh, the difficulty of making decisions. We've got a little bit of section for men, but we need more content on men. The reason this is very women-focused was that the grant was for women aged 15 to 30, so that's where most of our attention has gone so far. But this is the next avenue, is more information for men. Taking a break, and then information about thinking of having a baby. So, she's still not sure. We can have a look at a video. So do women need a break from hormones? I've also had friends that say to me, you know, I've been on the pill since I've, I was 18. It's been 10 years now. I think I need to give my body a break because I've been on it for such a long time and I need to get back to normal is the kind of things I hear. But it's not something that I've felt myself. I have heard that it's a good thing to have a break from contraception and the pill, um, but I never heard of, that it's a must. Um, I just did it just to be sure, to be safe. Um, and because I, I thought I started to have some side effects, to this day I don't know if it was a pill or something else unrelated. Um, but yeah, I did it anyway. <laughs> Many women ask whether they should take a break from contraception. In fact, there's no need to take a break from hormones. They work by suppressing or stopping the eggs being released. And as soon as you stop the hormones, the body starts producing eggs again. No matter how long you've been on the hormones, this return to fertility won't, will take the same length of time. There's nothing to be gained by stopping the hormones to check whether the body is still normal. And in fact, there's a real risk of getting pregnant. So those films were very enjoyable to, to make. What we did was um, interviews with young women, talking all about their views of pros and cons, and then cut lots of clips together. And we've got nurses and doctors uh, supplying the sort of the chat that we offer in clinics in response to the concerns.
So, the What's Right For Me um, tool is to help people decide which method actually might suit them best. So going back to our person who's on the pill and not quite sure whether it's best for her. Does she want regular periods or no periods? Um, let's say no. So the choice tool tells you as you go along the virtues of each different contraception method. Lighter or less painful, let's say not an issue for her. Less acne, not particularly an issue. Less premenstrual symptom, let's say yes. Less effort to remember, yes, because she's finding it hard to remember the pill. And without hormones, mm, not really an issue, she doesn't mind, but that's a common choice. Uh, does she want to be pregnant in the next few months? No. So then the tool calculates the scores on all of the symptoms, the benefits, uh, to offer top three methods. So let's say she wouldn't contemplate an injection, doesn't like the thought of that. So then she can see side by side the virtues of the different methods. And then to text the results to herself or to email it. So then go to consultation and discuss it with a doctor or nurse. And then the compare all table was also very popular. So being able to see side by side the virtues of all the different methods. So in particular, does it contain hormones or not? STI protection. So there's very few methods that actually do protect against sexually transmitted infections as well as being good for contraception. So. We then tested the website in an online trial and we did interviews with young women to find out what they thought of the website. Did they like it? Did it help them? So here's um, some sample clips from their views of it. So interviews with 18 women, young women, um, and then free text comments on a survey. So from about 400 women, an online trial survey, and then they were just invited to, to answer the question, what did you think about the website? So did women learn new things about contraception? Yes, they did. Uh, somebody said, it's what I've always looked for, clear way to compare methods of contraception, find the best for you with in-depth information about how they work, which is exactly what we had planned, so that's great. I feel more clued up about potential contraception choices, which is great. I think far too many think that the pill is the only way forward, which is wrong. Do women feel better prepared before appointments? So this person said, yes, it's made me feel more confident. Prior, I didn't really have anyone to speak to about contraception and didn't feel comfortable discussing it with my doctors, so this bridged the gap. And again, this is exactly what we had hoped, was that people could look at it before consultations to be better, better informed. Did it help women to talk, to con talk about contraception with other people? So yes, my partner and I discussed methods more openly. And the website's helped me be more open about contraception and discuss it with friends. It's become less of a taboo. Slightly surprised it is a taboo, really. So, yeah, this is reassuring that it actually gives people something to centre their conversations on. And then the site seemed to help people to think about changing contraception method. So it's brought to my attention the copper coil. I didn't know there was a highly effective method that didn't contain hormones. And I think I'll probably switch to the hormonal coil in the next year because of what I've learnt. So this was great. But can women get the contraception method that they want? So I wanted the coil, but I found it difficult to find someone to fit it in London. And there's long waiting times. The GP did not offer the service to get the implant fitted. And lack of sexual health clinics in my area means very long waiting times. 
So across London, there's been one third cut in sexual health clinics and we were busy to start with. So it really is awful. And there's some services offered online, but that's mostly STI testing. It's not contraception. So there has been an increase in unplanned pregnancy and in sexually transmitted infections. And it's such an own goal cutting sexual health services because it's so much more expensive dealing with unplanned pregnancies, dealing with un, un, yeah, unplanned births. So in summary, women's views, women did learn new things about contraception. The website helped them think about changing to a different method. And they felt better prepared before appointments, but it can be difficult for all sorts of reasons to actually get the method that they wanted. So the Contraception Choices website is available via a link um, on NHS information. Um, and there's loads of traffic, which is fantastic. So nearly 19,000 visits a month, um, which is amazing and rising all the time. And we've developed with Moore Wilson some downloadable printable posters. So the idea of this is that it goes on a clinic waiting room uh, wall and then you can scan the QR code so to take you to the website and get some more information. We have run out of money so it was a one-off grant, um, kind of government grant, um, which was wonderful. But we're now launching a crowdfunding campaign. So if anybody's got any ideas of who we could ask for some more money, that would be marvellous. So I wanted to then show you another video. So what are the benefits of contraception? One of the reasons I was keen to go on the, t on the pill uh, was because I heard that it can decrease the period pains and I was suffering from horrific period pains like pass out throw up period pain type thing and uh, after I went on the pill it did stop I still did feel a little bit of it but like certainly it didn't stop me from going out living a life uh, so this was a game changer for me I have heard very good things about the coil I have heard that it can stop your periods altogether for the time that it's inside, uh, which would be pretty cool. The positive of having the contraceptive injection um, as a form of contraception, I found that it was, uh, you only had to have it every three months, so it was quite easy to sort of remember when you needed to go and then get the next injection. I found that it didn't um, negatively affect me in any way, so um, and I didn't have any periods on it, which I quite liked. Since uh, going off the contraceptive injection and then onto the implant, I suppose that's even more um, easier in terms of timing and that it's only once every three years. Well, I mean, it's great. It's great that we can have use any method and kind of be free and independent. You can decide to have a period or not have a period and not have children. I mean, we're really lucky. So I think, and especially with the pill, it, you just swallow it, it's tiny. The pill's absolutely tiny and then that's it. You just, you don't even have to think of it as an issue. I think that's awesome. So yes, in summary, contraception matters a lot globally. 
Um, and women's concerns matter a lot. And it is really important that we ask people what their worries are about contraception. So if somebody comes along for a repeat packet of pill, actually stop and check. Are there worries about it? Are there options that might be better? Are there things that she didn't know? And informed choices and control over contra contraception can be literally life-changing. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Julia. That was a really lovely tour through the website and discussion of the importance and the implications. So, um, questions from the audience, please, or comments? So, we've got some up here. Has there been an increase in digital fertility awareness methods in recent years due to social media? That's an extremely good question. And yes, they definitely have. So there's apps available for fertility. Um, so to record your cycle and then to predict um, ovulation. Uh, so some of them, like the Natural Cycles app and others, um, need you to enter different types of data. So different ways of measuring fertility, like temperature control and measuring cervical fluid. Uh, as well as dates to be able to predict ovulation and fertility. But there's apps that just literally measure your cycle, so it only dates and then makes a prediction about ovulation. And it's certainly happening quite a lot in clinics that young women are coming in and saying, oh, I can't be pregnant, I'm ovulating next Wednesday. And the app is really <laughs> uh, not conveying honest information about its accuracy and how with natural um, fertility awareness methods, you really need to collect data over many months to be sure you can predict it accurately. So yes, in abortion clinics, we're seeing unplanned pregnancies because of apps. Uh, and one of my students is doing a project to find out a bit more about the influence of social media and the way that contraception apps, well, fertility apps are being used for contraception. This is the first time we've used this technology because often confident people will ask questions and the shyer ones won't. So this is a way of testing out everyone having a go at it. Um, obviously, if you haven't got access to Slido, then put your hand up instead. So, is this tool going to be developed for men so they're informed too? Um, yes, so I did a website in past about um, condom use and all the many barriers to condom use. So, the material from that website is going to be recycled into this to give more information about that specifically. But we also want to do some field work with young men, well, any men, to find out what their needs are about contraception. Unfortunately, we do need some more money unless students want to do that as a project. But yes, definitely, we'd like to do content for men. As a healthcare professional, biggest challenge for me, um, I really enjoy the conversations about contraception. Um, I'm very slow in clinic because I think it's really important to take the time to do an informed choice discussion. So the biggest challenge is uh, time, I think, for me. I really enjoy the challenge of somebody comes in very anxious about having an implant put in. And actually, when you explain that it's a bit stingy to start with, but then it won't be painful being put in, and to see somebody thinking, oh, yeah, that was really okay, and then able to go and tell their friends and so on that it was okay, that's really rewarding. We are promoting the website wherever we can. <laughs> yep. Um, we're informally in touch with sort of educational, national schools, educational programs. Um, it's freely available so anyone can access it, uh, which is great. So it's just simply letting people know that they can access it and very appropriate for schools. But bizarrely, quite a lot of schools have um, 
blocks on access to sexual health material. So, uh, yeah, often young people can't actually access sites, although there's not really much about well, sex or sexuality. Uh, we haven't tested that, actually, to see whether there's blocks on it for schools. Do you have any bright ideas about promoting it, how to promote it or offer it in schools? Then do please let us know. Um, it is a bit kind of piecemeal how it's ha happening at the moment, or organic if you like, but um, there's a service in Nottingham that we're doing some work with to see if use of the website in clinics, like Julia was talking about, actually has a beneficial effect on the consultations, making them more efficient or making them more satisfying, because uh, we haven't really tested that yet, but it, I have a hunch that it might be if um, it's used in the middle of a consultation. Um, and one of the nurses in this service in Nottingham had watched um, uh, Love Island, and someone there had a patch, I don't know if any of you saw it, a contraceptive patch, and so she was going on BBC Nottingham Radio to talk about the contraceptive patch, and she's, she contacted me and said, I'm going to tell them about Contraception Choices website, and she did, so I don't know whether someone in Nottingham might have got, you know, found out about the, the website that way, but um, I, I don't know who asked that question, but I do think um, if we can do more to offer this to schools, I think it would be very useful. Yes. Apparently, if a, a commercial company produces a website, 90% of the funding will be about marketing, before marketing, um, and 10% development cost. We have finished a long time ago the development money, and we have no money at all. So it's all informal networking. Um, and it's great that the website is so popular and that we're really filling a gap. Um, so it's just word of mouth at the moment, really, isn't it? Let's have a hand up. Yeah. I'm Gillian Holsworth, I'm from MSH24, oh, yeah. and um, we obviously have a kind of similar sort of um, contraceptive choices type um, set up on us. I was just wondering whether or not you've looked, you've got your 19,000 you people accessing it monthly. Have you looked at um, the distribution of where that's from across the country? Um, that's one thing. And I mean, I think, I suppose the other question was, if you're crowdfunding, what are your next steps? Because it's quite interesting, and it would be really, really useful to use this in schools. But um, having said that, having tried to do quite a lot through educationally around sex and reproductive health services in schools in South London over the years, there are lots and lots of blocks, and almost certainly there'll be a firewall, so they can't access that. But um, anyway, so there's my question, sorry. So the first part, again, remind me, Oh, the hits, yeah. Oh, I can tell which country, um, and it's mostly UK, and it's mostly through the NHS information website. Um, yeah, so people are accessing it across the world. I can't tell through Google Analytics exactly where in the country. Hello. So I'm right in there, but I'm not sure if you're going to reach there. I think is um, it has been mentioned about male contraception options, and I've been following the issue for a few years now, and I heard like this um, experimentation or just being one approved. I want I want to know how far it's it because I don't think it's fair for us to be taking the whole responsibility about contraceptive options. So, are you able to talk to that one? So, contraception for men. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, there's a lot of research that has gone into 
male contraception, particularly hormonal contraception, the pill for men, I mean, that's been about for decades. And lots of small studies and some progress. You can definitely use hormonal methods to reduce sperm count to virtually zero and provide effective contraception, but there are side effects, and it's not taken off. I don't think anything like that is licensed for use yet. There's something new at the moment, a gel. Um, it's, I mean, it's not my particular area of contraception, but I mean, research is continuing. But I think it's more striking that it really hasn't taken off, despite um, interest, not perhaps from men in general, but obviously researchers. Pharma hasn't leapt at it, really. And um, I'm not sure that we've made huge progress even over the last four decades. It's quite interesting to think why, but uh, I don't have any you know, perfect answers for that. Uh, thank you for a very interesting presentation. I was just wondering, in terms of the issues that you've faced in terms of funding, but in particular getting support, um, the two suggestions come to mind. Uh, one is uh, from the bureaucracy in, in the government, so both at a health level, I know we have a male health minister, but hopefully someone in his organisation to help gain traction, but also on the educational side. So that's at government level. But I was just wondering if the users of the website themselves could be advocates, so you also have a bottom-up type of approach as, as well, so that they then uh, recommend this and become um, people who promote the awareness of this. Yes, yeah. So um, I've got the name of a, uh, an Instagram influencer. So I think that's, that's a very promising avenue. And then the crowdfunder, we will put a button on the website itself so that if people can donate one or two quid, but it's a lot of people, that would help enormously. I didn't want to make it seem like advertising or begging, or, so I'm just thinking carefully about how to actually word it. Yeah, but and in terms of NHS costs, this really wouldn't cost very much. But yeah, it's difficult getting any digital health commissioned in that way. Thank you for your talk. Um, I thought the, the tool looked super. That looks really, really valuable for someone um, looking at their choices. But I wonder if that's something that you would develop a bit further because some of the questions are a bit binary and maybe that's not quite people's approach. So, for instance, the first question was periods or no periods. And maybe people think, well, actually, I don't really mind. My main problem is something else entirely and that's really their focus. It was very challenging finding the right questions. So making it really clear what we were talking about and what the options are and not giving people too many options. Otherwise, it becomes exhausting to use. Uh, so, yes, we are not. Yeah, we could add all sorts of other priorities and there's arguments for and against, but we chose to make it really as clear as we could. Right. And you could still kind of choose one not being really um, not minding too much which one you choose, but you can see the rationale for which methods are, are recommended. So it adds it all up together. And then this relates to the next answer, perhaps. So encouraging patients to use one form of contraception over the other. With the choice tool, if there was a tie between two different methods, then we prioritised the more effective one first. And that's true in clinics too. So giving people an informed choice, including how effective they are, um, if someone says, what do you think I should do? I always bounce it back. But if they say, I really don't know, should it be this or that? Then I would always recommend the more effective one because it's more effective at preventing pregnancy. 
Thank you, Julia. And that brings us to the end of our time. I think it's 5-2. So it just remains for me to thank you very much for a lovely presentation. Lovely, um, thank you. And to thank you all for coming here. And um, I hope it's been interesting. And if it sparks off any bright ideas, please um, run with them and let us know. <laughs> thank you. Mm -hmm. Lovely, thanks.